me about this mammoth. It's a fake. It's November 1st, 2023. This is Rare Encounter, encounter number 167. And uh, really wanting to kiss your mom, I'm Abel Kirby. And marching with the saints, I'm Cold Acid. Oh, and the saints go marching in. Well, you, you know, it's All Saints Day, right? Uh, I did not know that. All yeah, Saints Day. Isn't it? So I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure November first is. Well, I'm not familiar. All is it? Saints is this like when Day. they they took George Washington's birthday and they changed it to All the President's Day? It's All Saints. All Saints really. Day, also known as All Hallows Day, the Feast of All Saints, the Feast of All Hallows, the Solemnity of All Saints, and Hallow Mass is a Christian solemnity celebrated in honor of all the saints of the Church, where uh, whether they are known or unknown. I see. So it's basically a grab bag. Yeah. Date, was... 1 November, Western Christianity. Sunday after Pentecost, Eastern Christianity. Okay, so it depends on, it depends on whether you're Orthodox or not. Mm, I see. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. I mean, so St. Genevieve, you know, is uh, celebrated at the same level as every single other one, I guess. Okay, moving on. What was that? Was that a... Well, no, I mean, I mean, certain saints have their have their days, but there's a day that just, like, for all of them. Yeah, I know. It's like it's like President's Day in a, in the U.S. Instead of George Washington's birthday and Lincoln's birthday, it's just, we rolled it into one, guys. No, again, it's not <laughs> they've rolled it into one. They've just made sure that there's a day for celebrating all the saints that don't have their own days. You know, it's not it's not just about the, uh, the saints you know. Sometimes it's about the saints that you don't know you know. Or the and the saints the you don't know you don't know <laughs> the unknown unknown saints. Anyway, okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Uh, it's uh, Monsieur Ananas today. Oh, what's that mean? Uh, pineapple. It's... Ah, okay, yes, pineapple. Pineapple in every language except English. <laughs> it's very similar. <laughs> no, it's if I it's in French. It's ananas. We've talked about this before, Monsieur Ananas, from this like weird uh french canadian educational show that they used to show us in school here mm. i think it's um ananas in, in basically every language except english yeah probably including all of them swedish uh solvik serbian russian romanian polish uh latvian irish i'm going down the list it's that in every language except English. You can stop going English. down the list. It's, uh, it's every language but English. It has that same name. Very interesting. Yes. Let's see. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Comrade Battles right at the top. Uh, yeah, Christopher Battles. He sent us in something pretty neat, didn't he? Yeah, it was the Larry Larry Bass, which we were joking about the last show. He actually made a uh, photo, uh, I guess a Photoshop job. <laughs> the Larry Bass. It's in the show notes. Oh, as soon as I saw it, man, as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, this is good. Yeah. This is the shit. And I, I've been on a kick of taking, you know, real people and trying to turn them into inanimate objects and characters. And I had something I wanted to kick the show off with. And I'm going to need your expertise to get me through this. But in uh -oh. the in the Elder Scrolls, there I understand, in, including Skyrim, uh, there's also, uh, there's a large modding community. Is that... It's not wrong to say that, right? Oh, oh, don't get me started on modding, man. All right. I got some ranting to do that's connected to modding later on in the show. Well, uh, I've been thinking about there's some certain comedians, some people that I've been listening to on YouTube. And, and you know, they have this, these bits where they do impressions. And I was listening to him and I said, damn, man, he's basically doing... Like the title is, he's doing the impression of, you know, um, an 1800s hooker or something like that. And it's all very funny. But you could clip that and roll that into an NPC sound pack for something like Skyrim, you know? And I, I started thinking about what would it take if we could get um, six or seven different phrases, you know, recorded? Do, how how do you hard remember, is it to roll you into Do you remember earlier this year... Uh -huh. I was going on about about AI voice recreation. Yeah. Because somebody somebody took somebody took like all the all the uh 
all the voice acting for ah uh, for Dagoth Ur in yes. Morrowind. Yeah, we played right? that and created a model, and then had him doing like all sorts of stuff, right? Yeah, it, it's um, I'm oh geez, this is going to be a problem. I don't know if you can play YouTube Shorts through uh, Fubar. Ooh, 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 ooh. I'm gonna try and play this for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and play what I was talking about. So this is kind of the stuff I was thinking about clipping. Um, I think it went through. Holy shit! Let's see if it actually works. This is kind of the stuff I said we could do. ISOs of you know all these phrases, and they could be sort of the NPC character in the background. You know, when you walk up to them, they kind of turn and look at you and say stuff like this, right? If your wife won't give you a tug. I'm the girl for you. Yeah. My name's Gerd. I'm the most beautiful girl in Portsmouth. Five quid for a night with me, I am, I am. Look at what I've got. It's a whole ankle. Never seen that before. Right, so you could be walking up to these NPCs and they could be saying shit like this to you. You know what? That would actually, that would probably actually be, uh... More more sensible conversation than what was in Oblivion to begin with. <laughs> Let me play a couple more. Yep, I gave the whole British cavalry syphilis. That's why we lost the first Boer War. They're building a new naval base. Cha-ching. The lads call me horrible names. Scrumpet, Fanny Bumbler, Toe Tickler. Are you Jack the Ripper? Promise. I mean, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he does all of these these just stupid impressions of uh of you know 1800 stuff 1920s stuff and i i was trying to pin down what his comedic styling is this is kyle gordon i'm, I'm talking about um and i realized that most of his videos that he puts out he's actually doing basically weird npc encounters is the best fit you know for the genre he does the well these honestly would probably work better if uh, if it was for Fable. <laughs> Fable, Chicken Chaser, Chicken Chaser. I saw well, you, because, Chicken because Chaser. Because the way he's doing them, right? It, it sounds like it sounds like they would the lines or the way he's saying it would fit right in with the with the existing voice acting in the in the Fable trilogy. Okay. No, I right? guess I could see that. Yeah. What do you think it would take to get our voices into a to be spoken by an NPC? Uh well, probably somewhere in the range of uh, $350,000 so that way I can take a few years off of work and develop the okay, game but, that but, we would be voice acting. But what if neither of us got paid for it and we were going to uh and we were Who just said anything about us getting paid for it? I'm saying like so that I won't be kicked out of my home ownership and have to like code on the streets, right? I'd need some way of paying the mortgage and everything. For, so for, no, I just want to make this clear. You don't have to say the line every time a player walks up to you. We could record it and play back on a loop. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll be I'd be doing like the the coding for the game while you'd be providing me the script and I'd be recording my lines while I code. It's that much? I mean to 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 replace dialogue NPC dialogue with different strings and uh recordings no it's more it's more that it's more that we would be developing the game ourselves and we would need some sort of income <laughs> no. to replace to replace our uh to replace our day job i mean a skyrim so mod. Have the time to do this no i'm talking about like a skyrim mod or something oh well then it's just a matter of how much time <laughs> do we want to spend on it oh it's okay I need to, I'll, I'll find out offline what the uh, the level of effort required is, but I got kind of excited about that. I thought, you know, I can write some NPC dialogue, and it'll be packaged along with the Abel Kirby Idle Animations uh, pack, which I still intend to record one day. I refuse to wear pants with my armor! <laughs> yeah, I bet we could write some good ones. We could get some doozies. They could all just be openings from the show, too. You know, we got some good stuff. Oh yeah, they could be. I, we've we've definitely got material that could be used for some like data NPCs. <laughs> right now, it's being used as uh, data in a court proceeding against us. I think, but I, I no, not data, data, D A D A, as in as in like the absurdist uh, non art. I've never heard of this. Data, How have you never data? heard of absurdist non art? That sounds like art. 
It sounds like performance art. It was an art. avant-garde art movement in the early 20th century. Oh, there's a policeman on the ceiling. Well, no one's ever thought of that before. Yeah. There was a song by Pfeiffer fighting about that. <laughs> uh, let's see. But yeah, our, our NPCs would be essentially like that, you know? Data. I'm looking at this. It all looks like art. I don't think they did a very good job. Marcel Duchamp uh, mounting a urinal on the top of a cube and calling it a fountain. <laughs> That's art. I like that. That's French art for you, yeah? Yeah. We. We, 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 we. Yeah. Well, yeah. That <laughs> we, we art is home. for weeing, isn't it? Man. Um. <laughs> Meanwhile. You were talking about this comedian, and we lost a comedian just recently. Oh, which one do we lose? We lost Richard Mole. Oh, I wasn't familiar. No, you weren't? Did you never watch Night Court? Uh, I'm aware of Night Court, but I never watched it. I, I've seen some He was the it. guy who played Bull Shannon. He also did, uh, he also did various voice acting uh, for cartoons and video games. Hmm... 80 years old. He made it. He made it a good long time. I'm taking a look to see uh, where I might have encountered his uh, comedic stylings before. I see Night Court. Sure. Da, 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 da. I don't really see a lot of stuff that I've that I've. Uh, the Flintstones. Night Court was the big thing with him, but him and John Larroquette were also teamed up uh, at times with uh, Mork and Mindy. Yeah, okay. I'm, yeah. I don't remember him from that, but I, I do know what Mork and Mindy is. Shazbot. He was uh, in Batman, the animated series in the in the 90s. He okay. was Two-Face. Okay, yep, I've heard him then. He was in Jingle All the Way. Okay. He was in Scary Movie 2. He was in Mighty Max as yeah. the star. Jeez. He was Scorpion in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Hmm. I never watched. I, I got that on VHS from the video rental store once. I watched it. I really wasn't sure who Spider-Man was at the time. I didn't, you know, it didn't grab me. I wasn't caught in his web. Uh, yeah, I didn't like it that much. But yeah, rest in peace, Bull Shannon. Bull Shannon. Yeah. May, uh, the, may the courtroom in heaven always be ready for your confused utterances. Oh, he was in Evolution, the David Duchovny film. That was a good yeah. movie. Yeah. As far as, uh, I can't think of any other movie David Duchovny was actually in except for X-Files movies. But Evolution was a great one. That was when he left the X-Files to work on his acting career and then did like one movie. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Disappeared. No one heard of him until he showed up on like Showtime later for whatever that show is called. But, ah, well. Let's see. Um, I ran into a couple of things I wanted to bring up. There's uh, some news about snacks. And uh, I've got a... Ooh, I like snacks. Snacks. There's a, a Snack X Expo is coming up soon. And I was getting spam email from this because uh, I'm signed up. I signed up Rare Encounter as a potato company, as you may remember. As I know, yes. And so I went and added me myself to all these mailing lists that have to do with potatoes and potato news. And uh, I started getting the advertisements for the once every two years Snack X conference, which is a savory snack industry professionals conference. So are we going? <laughs> no, I don't think we are. Uh, Damn unfortunately it's a little bit out of the way it's uh i don't think i'm gonna fly to europe on a lark like that but the promotional material is pretty cool it's a lot of uh vendors who sell snack um packing machines machines that do primary packaging where you put the potato chips inside the bag like bagging machines so they have you know the potato chip bags don't come as a uh don't, they yeah, don't I come know. in bag you form, get, right? They come on they, a... You get a sheet, you get a sheet, it gets it gets turned into a tube, and then like some chips or it gets crimped, some chips goes in, after that it gets crimped, more chips goes in, crimp, right? And well, then down get, the down the chain I'll, there's like the slicing machine that cuts through the crimps. A little out of order. Usually what it does is the is the bag well it does the first crimp and then they 
pour all of the flavor I said into the, the first crimp. Well, they yeah. do the they do the first crimp, then they just pour all the flavor in the bottom of the bag, and then they put the chips on top of that, and then they do the top crimp. That's I think how the potato chip manufacturers. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, if Ch you ever... chips go in, big comes out. <laughs> you can't explain that. So then there's secondary packaging machines which take those bags and uh, put put them in a cardboard box. Put them box in boxes. Without yeah. having a, to pay someone to do it. You can get a machine to put the right number of bags in the box. Um, and some... then there's a machine that takes the boxes and puts them in bigger boxes. <laughs> and then the machine that puts the big boxes on pallets and wraps them up in saran wrap. They, did you, have you ever seen these prototype machines that actually move pallets and giant boxes, maybe not pallets, but large boxes around on their own? With suction, they have like a a robot arm. Not with arm. suction. I've seen I've seen autonomous forklifts, but I've not seen like suction bots. Yeah, it's a suction bot. It's it has like a vacuum. Um, looks like a toilet plunger sort of thing, and uh, on a robot arm, and it'll go over and it'll pick up a whole giant box, and then it'll spin around and put it on a pallet. And uh, so, put so it it's like it's so it's like a less dangerous dancing Dalek. Yeah, that's what I'm envisioning from your description with arm with a big arm on top. Uh, it's pretty cool. Maybe I should find a picture of that. I can't remember if I don't think it was wasn't an Elon thing. It might have been Boston Dynamics. Eh, I can't remember what it was. But anyway. whatever it looks like, whatever it looks like, I if it doesn't look like a dancing Dalek. I'm not interested. <laughs> Dancing Dalek. Does that have to sound like one, too? Because that could get annoying. <laughs> anyway. Uh, pack in um, eight. Pack in eight. <laughs> pack in eight. I'm uh, looking forward to those pack in sixes, I think. Uh, just so snack. You, 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 had, you had, like, this YouTube video interview, and you had it, like, queued up to a particular <laughs> moment. That was just the moment where I copied the... Uh, I copied the okay, video out. Okay, so so if I hit so if I hit play on this video, it's not really gonna it's not really gonna give us anything that you wanted queued up. Uh, yeah, there's nothing special about the timestamp. Actually, it was a little bit before that. So I think what I can do is play the video on my side, and uh, then I can <laughs> skip around as needed. Uh, the beginning of the video is, I think, music. So I'll, uh, yeah, it's a bunch of this tacky music. And so this is from a series of interviews at SnackX about how great SnackX is and what they get out of it. So let's hear the first guy. My name is Rolf Nilges, and I'm elected uh, president uh, for ESA for the next two years. Yeah, it's it's a two-year um, conference, so the president is there for two years. Two-year two president <laughs> two of the organization. They only have the a conference. European Snacks Association. It only comes out once every two years. It's like a special flower that only blooms. Well, the 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 event, the event, right? But I mean, it is it is like it's like the general biennial meeting of the ESA. These are these sorts of organizations. My expectation. I don't know much about the snack eggs, but I think they're all really convention driven. Like they, the main thing they do is this the show floor and symposium, and everything else is kind of second to that. But oh, okay, I could I could be wrong. It could be different for snack X from the other conventions I know of. But uh, let's hear what this guy, who's but, now the president, has to say. Very proud of it and uh, honored to serve the industry in this important role. Oh yes, and I'm very much looking forward to to it, to work together with the ESA board, with the secretariat, and. Of course, with all in interested members of ESA. I should have my, I should have clipped this and cut out the boring parts. He has a manifesto in the middle, and I'm uh, we'll the background. I'm a PhD chemist. Yes, who has worked over 30 years in industries related to natural raw materials, and of that, the last 19 years as His director R&D in the snacks industry for the InterSnack Group. So this guy is uh, R and D snack group. The that sounds that sounds like a big important concern. He's a PhD in snacks. He's a he's a he's a bona fide snackologist. He is. Having had prior experience in association issues on national levels over the last ten years, I enjoyed taking an active role on the European level as member of the ESA board. And yeah, yeah, now yeah, yeah, yeah. to become president of ESA, in my view, is the icing 
on the cake of my career. In the See, that's a bad move. That's a bad move. Yeah, right yeah. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be any icing. Icing is not a snack. No, he's the cheese dust on the tortilla, and icing yeah, is not. Yeah, he, he's. It's not. It's sweet. The, it's not savory. He's the nuts. He's the nuts on the chocolate bar. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> I'm the pretzel in the Chex Mix. Next industry. <laughs> and these are my pr priorities for the next two years. Yeah, oh, this is what we want. We okay, priorities for the next two years of the snacks industry. Manifesto, go. Oh no, that the influence of the industry, and that's not only ours, in the Brussels arena is becoming more and more difficult. NGOs, some of these are even what Call campaigners supported by media for whom bad news is always good news are gaining more and more influence with politicians and policymakers. Sometimes I personally have the impression that industry lobbying is seen as bad lobbying, whereas NGO lobbying is the good lobbying. Even as the claims made by campaigners are indeed good for making the headlines, but are very often not supported by scientific evidence. We as the industry have to support our case by providing detailed evidence and data, whereas the coalition of campaigners and media are taken very serious in public by offering often nothing more than a strong opinion and simple solutions. There you go, that's snack politics. The yeah, NGO. He's, he's got he's got the numbers, man. He's, he's got the numbers on the snack. He's got it, and he, I like how he calls them complainers. The complainers, the complainers at the NGOs. They they get the headlines, but they have nothing to back it up. That's my, I realize that's not his accent, but the uh, I I well, really pretty good. I vibe with that. Uh, <laughs> the uh, industry yeah, has the to make up for The complainers it. can get wrecked. Europe needs its savory snacks and snack nuts. Yes. And uh, the convention video is pretty cool. There, there's a number of these. I won't bore you with them all. Some, some of them are kind of boring. But they come in and they're always talking about what their new machine is going to do or what the industry's moving around. Um, very cool read. Snackx.com. S-N-A-C-K-E-X.com. And they're coming up. That is pretty cool. 2020, 2024 is the convention in Stockholm, Sweden. So next year, next year in Sweden, get your get your snacks on in Sweden. Yes, snacks in snack attack, snack attack in Sweden, guys. Swedish snack attack, yeah. There's oddly enough, the fish are not invited. They're too sweet, not savory enough. I don't know. I they Swedish fish. Uh, don't they generally ferment them first? They wouldn't be <laughs> they wouldn't be sweet or savory. I've only seen the Swedish fish that are covered in powdered sugar and sour yeah. dust. <laughs> You've had those, right? We talked about candy last week, so I don't want to get back into this, but... Um, I don't remember eating sugared fish, no. Sweet, I'm going to link it in the, in the chat because I want to get your reaction to the fact that Swedish fish is actually a candy. Da, 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 da. Oh! You've seen oh! it before? <laughs> That's yes! What was, it's, um... Basically, corn syrup uh, it, and gelatin mixed together, and uh, they powder except sugar. For, except for the one, except for the one that is actually flavored like salted herring. <laughs> I don't think there's a fish flavored Swedish fish. Apparently, there is a there is a salmiak flavored black Swedish fish. What? Yeah, look look on that Wikipedia article. <sighs> Look, scroll down, see the black one. Well, I didn't read it. I just linked it to dunk on you. What What am I looking for? The black one? Yeah. Oh, man. What's it say? M-A-L-A-C-O? Someone's written something on this fish. Malaco. It's that... the manufacturer's Oh, Malaco. Okay, I got it. It's just fish writing. I'm not used to fish writing. Yeah. Well, who really is used to fish writing? Fish? fish aren't expected to write they don't even have hands they just have fins if i if you were a fish how would you write a story i would asking the deep questions on rare encounter okay yeah deep as the ocean <laughs> right ah. intellectual uh intellectual thing yeah it's very bass it's very bass joke god 
You know, I was thinking about while we're while we're talking about this uh, multi language thing. Um, I wanted to just comment. I, I think everyone knows this, but it kind of came to a head for me where the, there's two languages sort of bordering other than English. Um, you know, on the south of the U.S., we have uh, Mexico, and then below there, South America, and there's, you know, there's Portuguese, but it's mainly Spanish. Um, and then there's another language which is spoken on the same continent. I mean, there's many, but uh, the French is the other big one. Um, and if we, where I come from in New England, uh, French was an option for uh, when you learned a second language. It's, you know, it's it's in the curriculum because we were so close it to It wasn't Quebec. an option here. You it was a requirement. French. You could go, you could go Spanish or French. Actually, in Ohio, is one of this area has one of the few places I've ever seen um, a Japanese language option in the high school curriculum. It's because Honda is here, and there's a lot of Japanese immigrants, and so it's spoken huh. often enough. They actually have a Japanese uh, language option at some of the schools around here, which is odd. That's pretty neat. I would have liked that, you know. But anyway, um, the the perceived um, kind of status of these languages is really, really polar opposite. And it's not just a little bit different. It is the absolute opposite where, um, if you have kind of Spanish writing on, uh, on a package, you know, it's thought to be somewhat of a lower class sort of kind of thing. Uh, not all the time, but, um, there's just a perception of it. It's not, elevating it especially when you compare it to the other language which is uh, sometimes had which is french and what people do when they have french on a package usually they're putting on airs about how fancy they are to the point where i was thinking about people com- complain if they hear um maybe you press one for english and you know when you call a call center or something you get spanish you say okay well that really irritates people then they get french on a shampoo bottle and they think it's a, a higher end product because it's you know, it has that so association. Here, here's something. Here's something to here's something to note. France was the predominant nation of Europe from about uh, 1200 AD to the well to the 1700s, and even even after it stopped being like the the super the super nation. Right of uh, of the old world, mm-hmm. uh, French was still the primary language of diplomacy until the mid twentieth century. Like international agreements, if they were between if they were between countries that did not speak the same language, would generally be written in French. And then from that, you'd get, like, your local translations. But the French would be the authoritative version of it. Yep. No, I, right? I So I, I the, idea, the idea that, yes, French is, is a classy language. Don't forget, also, we, we've got the Norman yoke still hanging over us over a thousand years later, which, is, which has been a strong influence on the English language from Middle English onwards. Mm. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, French seems to be all fancy because, well, the French have... Uh, before they turned into surrender monkeys, uh, were, like, the biggest, baddest motherfuckers of all Europe. Well, once upon a time, Spain... Uh, I believe it was the richest country in the world at one point after they yes, became exploiting but then South Spain America. Lost, then Spain lost to everybody else. Uh, their the royalty got so inbred they died them they died out and were replaced by Bourbons. Right? So yeah, Spain ends up Spain ends up being like the the one who the one who could have been a contender, but ends up flipping fucking burgers. Mm. Sorry, sorry, Spain, but yeah, you you got a bit of a raw deal after all that royal incest. <laughs> oh man, sorry to drag everyone into that, but it it was an odd thought, and I wanted to bring it up on the show. Yeah. Now we were talking we were talking about uh, candy, and some candies have creamy centers. You know what else has a creamy center? Your mom. Mars. Okay. <laughs> 
Yes, I've heard this. Uh, Mars with their molten, allegedly in Minecraft, molten but not rotating core. No, it's not the core. It's actually, it's actually between the mantle and the core. Okay. So uh, it's like, yeah. They, they discern, well, the, the, the core of Mars is liquid metal, right? But there is this, there is this like just molten rock, like liquid rock layer around it. And it actually, it actually, the, the liquid metal core is smaller than they thought. And all that, all that extra space, like that was, that was actually this molten rock instead. Um, are you referring to a, a nature article? I'm trying to come up with what yes. the... This is from 25 October. Yeah, there's the link. Oh, yeah, I got it. I saw it come across... Uh, there were my... two two separate papers by two different groups that were published by Nature on the same day about this. And they were they were... They were using, like, the probes that have landed on Mars to measure Mars quakes, right? Mars quakes. Mars quakes, because what... it's not on Earth, so it can't be an earthquake. I thought that that was just the portal from hell opening. No, it's, it's, yeah, there are, there's cyber still demons. some tectonic, there's still some tectonic activity on Mars, plus impacts of rocks from space. Hmm. Understanding the geological history. Why do planets have similar layers? Interesting question. Well, because because some materials contain more energy than others, and they tend to band together based on their thermal energy. Hmm. I'm trying to skim this article. I didn't do a deep dive. I saw the headline when it came through. And now I'm interested to find out how this, what sounds to me like a seismic wave uh, analysis was actually done. And I'm wondering if it was... Uh, shear waves being interrupted. You'd have to read the you'd have to read the actual uh, papers for that, but yeah, I believe that's essentially like essentially it's the same way that we we do these sort of measurements on Earth, right? Where where an earthquake happens and there's all these different sensors all over the world, and you can you measure like the time and the the strength of. Uh, of the waves propagating from the source of the earthquake, right? And you're able to use that to have some sort of idea of what sort of materials the waves were traveling through. Mm -hmm. It is S waves. Yeah, I pulled up the paper, the detection of deep reflected S waves. So they've inferred the core size from that. And then uh, where are they getting the, li the liquid um, part? Shear waves don't uh, travel yeah. through... Uh, through molten layers, if I recall my, uh, my, uh, what was that th stupid thing called? The low debt, low shear velocity, uh, regimes or something? Provinces or something. Provinces, yeah. I'm trying to re recall that, uh, that information, but yeah, that looks like it was. It was shear attenuation. Awesome. Yeah. That was always my favorite part about that discussion was, was the science be or the measurements being done. I, more so than what these conclusions are. I think it's more interesting to look at what was actually done and uh, what inferences well, could the, be made. The papers, the papers themselves are both open access, so feel free yep. to feel free to download them and read them, right? Yeah, I'm uh, Is there probably there're probably some really interesting details in there that aren't even touched on in this uh, in this like article about it. Yeah, this is awesome. Oh, cool. Take a closer look. It looks like they have actual real charts, you know. They look like properly yeah. formatted. They're not for marketing. They're not for uh, not for uh, public consumption. Just uh, just people who know how to read a chart. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so that that's pretty neat. I got some more space stuff. Yeah, um, let's yeah. do some space stuff. Yeah, so... So... There's a this is article I just I just saw it today. It's like, hey, the James Webb Space Telescope. Yeah, it's it's breaking all the records. We're able to see we're able to see galaxies that are further away than we've ever known before. 
And so, you know, when you're when you're looking that that far, right? That when you're looking that deep into space, you're also looking that deep into time. Mm-hmm. So what what you're see, what we're able to see thanks to the James Webb Space Telescope is like we're looking closer and closer to the early universe, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's really it's really neat. Uh, one day we might get to the we might get to the point where where we see like the opaque universe, right? We get to the point where where it's like opaque, right? Which which would be like you know about three hundred thousand years after the Big Bang. Hmm. I'd like well, to see I, what the pictures look like and and take the inferences from that. I get yeah a well, little. We're not at that. We're not at that point yet, right? We're still. We still haven't. We still haven't gotten like to the to even like one billion years after the Big Bang. We're still seeing we're still seeing transparent universe as far as we can go. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, at this point too, like some of this uh, some of this data is just like generally available, and people can like start going through it themselves. Yeah, I like the way that a lot of this the instrument data is is published. Um, it's not just for the big fancy stuff like the James Webb Space Telescope, but there's a lot of other satellites you can actually get data off from. I mean, like just mm-hmm. instrumentation data, If especially if you get interested in things like coronal mass ejections, there's, you know, a number of yeah, apps but I that mean, monitor in the, in them. In this know? case, like, in this I, case, like you're getting, you're getting like the, the light imagery, right? Coming from, uh, coming from the telescope. I'm, j- I'm talking about the posture of the um, bodies who oversee the know the operation of these things yeah making having open apis and stuff for uh people who are interested you should be able to just get a access key you shouldn't have to prove a bunch of things or make the special handshake deal it should be open to everyone well yeah you well i mean you can talk to nasa i can talk to the csa right if i if i can say like if i can say and demonstrate that I can I can go through this data and figure shit out nobody's noticed before, right? And they'd generally be like, yeah, sure, here you go, knock yourself out, because it's in the it's in the it's for the progress of science, right? Yep. Or the progress of analyzing lots of of measurements and trying to see spot interesting trends or interesting features, or just spotting stars that don't even exist anymore. Yep. I'm gonna. Uh, point out that that's not the same as science but that's that's all i was getting at it it, it yeah it can be uh you need a hypothesis it's science, it's science adjacent at least yeah okay it's it's a it's observation yeah that's, that's part of science oh yeah but you but it's not you're not doing science unless you had a preceding hypothesis it's the hard okay, line fair enough. hard line rule uh there's plenty of things that are called science that have uh that are not proper science, including like making portal guns. <laughs> science rules, aperture science. Yeah, yeah, dude. I have an aperture. I have an aperture labs uh, collared shirt and an aperture labs t-shirt. Oh boy, do you wear the? I aperture- got those at Gen Con. Where, where do you wear the collared shirt? It's like I want to be goofy but slightly fancy. To the office. Where else? Okay. Do you have a goofy and slightly fancy office that you uh, work at? No, I don't think any of them would actually get it. But my brother, he's got he's got uh, he's got a collared black Mesa shirt, and oh. thanks to this Gen Con, he now has also like I do the collared Aperture Science shirt, and he will wear those to his office, <laughs> where he's surrounded by nuclear engineers. That's awesome. Yeah. Say hi to Gordon for me. <laughs> Tell Icehawk. <laughs> he won't say anything back, I know. Gordon. No, I mean, he won't say. I mean, Gordon. <laughs> He's a man of few words, so, that Gordon Freeman. Uh, All right. No, yeah, that's Move true. God. Now, tell me, tell me about this mammoth. It's a fake, sort of. What? <sighs> you know, I got disappointed. I, The reason I got interested in this mammoth 
monster thing is because I was looking at that skull and I said, there's no friggin' way that a skull that looks that awesome, um, is, is real. Like what is going on? And it turns out, uh, maybe I should take a step back in Anchorage, Alaska. There's an auction, um, that back at least in October 28th. So at least on Saturday, uh, had not happened yet. I don't know what day the auctions on one of the items that they were, um, that they had that you could bid on was a blue tusked mammoth, uh, with a skull attached. And so it's, you know, a giant mammoth skull and it has these big blue woolly mammoth tusks sticking out of it. It's on a, you know, a table in a warehouse placed on top of Walmart, you know, discount moving blankets. And I was like, wow, what a weird thing. I mean, it's just on it on a concrete floor okay and what the hell is a blue tusk mammoth i thought they where'd the blue tusk come from okay so i got all excited i watched this and i'm just astounded that this thing exists and the guy comes up and he he says the um expected price they think it's gonna sell for it it was so low it was like um i think i remember i can't remember the number now i didn't write it down because i'm an idiot but it was so low i was like hey we could buy that um, thinking it's a museum piece, right? And uh, let me get the picture. I'll, I'll put the article in the chat so people can look at it. Da, 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 da. Do you see the picture, Cold? Yeah, I saw the picture. Yeah, this is from alaskanewssource.com. And that like magnificent-looking thing uh, is a lie in two ways. The, the first one is the tusks aren't blue. They just look blue because um, after they were... In the ground, there was uh, metals that leached into it. So it's not like the mammoth had blue tusks. They were normal tusks, okay? And that's just a, a process that happened underground before they dug it up. Um, so for whatever that's worth. So it's not, there's no blue tusk mammoth. Uh, the second thing is the skull is a bunch of fragments pasted together. Ah. They recreated it. And it's like, fuck, I really, I got excited by this thing. I thought it was so awesome. But it looks, you know, too smooth and too real. It turns out that they dug it up with a hydraulic, um, I don't know if hydraulic's the right word, uh, but spraying water jets. Is that hydraulic? Um, uh, there's mining. a word for it, but I don't think hydraulic. Hydrojet, maybe? Uh, Hydrojet, that sounds, maybe. Anyway, um, they were digging down and they completely blasted the skull to pieces and uh, they took the pieces up and they glued them together and filled in the parts that they didn't have you know classic um you know bone uh, and fossil reconstruction kind of thing where they just make it up in this case i think there are actual mammoth real mammoth skulls were recovered so they kind of know what it's supposed to look like but you know it's not obvious which parts of it are original and which ones aren't they kind of smooth over that and i think that's why the 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 bid for it was so low or the expected selling price. But those tusks are real tusks. And they yeah. are really blue. Loaded up with Vivianite. Yeah, Vivianite. That's what it was. So, but they weren't blue when the mammoth had them. It's just that's what happened no. to stuff when you buried underground in that in the, the minerals it was next to. Well, could, could, you, could you imagine, like, blue-tusked blue mammoths? I mean, like, we have, we have enough problem with blue-haired humans these days. Were, were they like were like were they like the would have been like the SJWs of like the megafauna era? Some of those are mammoths, man, and the, some of them have tusks. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh! Yep. Rare blue-tusked mammoth. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh well. I got it's a not... few more things. Oh. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, so you I'm going to ask you a question. This is, you know, kind of kind of game of the week kind of thing, not really, but just I'm going to ask you a quiz question. Okay. When Oh, wait. Oh, hold on. No, uh, don't say it yet. Da, 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 da. I almost forgot. Ah. All right, quiz time. Game of the week is quiz. Yeah, so one question and one question only. All right. Let's see if you can answer this question. When was the term piracy first used in association with intellectual property? 
Um, I'm gonna say 1995. Oh. No. Yeah. Try 1668. Oh, God. Yeah. That's bad. I give myself a double one. 1668? Well... To be to be perfectly to be perfectly strict with it, that was pirate, whereas piracy was seventeen oh one. But in- when you consider property. when you consider the like the two terms as like for the same purpose, right? So in in sixteen sixty eight, from a work known as Brooks String of Pearls, and I quote some dishonest booksellers called land pirates who make it their practice to steal impressions of other men's copies. Land pirates? Yes. Oh, that should be a Jimmy Buffett song. Rest <laughs> in peace, Jimmy Buffett. Yes. And for, for piracy itself, from A Journey to Hell or A Visit Paid to the Devil, a poem... Piracy, piracy, they cried aloud. What made you print my copy, sir, says one. You're a mere knave, tis very basely done. Yeah, I should have guessed um, pretty close to the Gutenberg Press. No, the Gutenberg Press was like the 1400s. This is like centuries after. Okay, centuries after then. I should have thought it was printing press. uh, Okay, so... The boom of printing. So Luther nailed his... 95 theses to the door in 1517 and at that point the printing press was well established and there were printers at every university city across europe at the very least all right i'll give myself another one of these i'm sucking it today yeah I know this because I was recently I was recently boning up on Luther actually. <laughs> what? You were doing what? Did you ask him nicely? Studying about about like the uh the early Protestant split from uh Western Christianity. I'm a history nerd, you know? Alright, let's get out of the game show. Yeah. I got two more, two or three more things. I'm going to start off with just making a mention. Watch where you put your cell phone. Okay. A paper came out today uh, that does make a connection between mobile phone use and semen quality. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. So it turns out that... uh, it doesn't. It may not really have of an effect on motility, but frequent use of mobile phones is associated with lower sperm concentration and total sperm count. Well, is there an app I can get to make me come more? Of uh, uh, Pornhub.com. <laughs> but yeah, so it does turn out there is there is a connection. Uh, so yeah, don't keep your phone don't keep your phone in your in your pants pocket. Okay, good to know. Yeah, good to know. So uh, that, I'm going to put a link to that in the in the notes, just as a warning. And now for what everybody has come here for: cold acid bitching about things. Cold acid bitching about things. I can give you one of these. Air horn. So yeah, air horn, here. Air horn. Here's something. It was published today on Ars Technica, but apparently, Capcom thinks that game modding is. But is the same as cheating, pretty much. And they're complaining about, oh, people who mod the game, they're causing us they're causing us reputational damage, making making it uh, making it harder for for us to support the games. Yeah, fuck you, Capcom. Fuck that. That's, that's fucking bullshit. They're saying, oh yeah, somebody somebody's going to see this mod that puts Thomas the fucking tank engine in Resident Evil, and they're going to think that Thomas the fucking tank engine is actually in Resident Evil. No, people aren't... Well, okay, some people may actually be that pants-on-head retarded, but the vast majority aren't. So saying that... Saying that uh, modding is 
tampering, no different than cheating or or cracking for piracy purposes. Yeah, fuck you, Capcom. You can suck my fucking big white nuts. Well, there certainly was a rant. Yeah. So what is the proper um what what are they trying to say? Like what I don't understand what the point of this is. They're say they're saying that they're saying that they don't want people to mod their games. No mods for Resident Evil. No mods for Street Fighter. Okay. It's cheating. It's making us lose money. Can I play you out? Like, we can only speculate on the cost of cheat and cheats and piracy. Capcom says costs uh, cost of cheats in in fucking like games that you aren't playing with other people, right? Like fucking Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm putting fucking Thomas the Tank Engine in. And I'm and I'm giving myself like fucking like everything off the bat. It's not affecting you. It's not affecting your bottom line. At most, it's affecting my enjoyment of your game. And you know what? How I enjoy a fucking game, if I, as is up to me and anybody I'm playing with. It's not up to you. You don't get to control my experience. You get to design an experience, and I get to choose how to actually experience that experience. So suck my dick, Capcom, you motherfuckers. Come on, motherfuckers. There we go. Come on. Come on, motherfuckers. Come on. All right, there we go. <laughs> I had to get, you said <laughs> yeah, Thomas the Tank Engine. I had to get the. I had to get it queued up. Yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, in other in other shit that pisses cold acid off, the American Ornithological Society has decided that they are going to jump on the whole die bandwagon what? and start renaming renaming all sorts of uh, birds to remove human monikers or names that they think might be offensive so you know what they're saying like hey no more woodcocks no more boobies no more great tits we're going to name them something that aren't that isn't going to get these fat fucking sjw's uh uh, oh, stretched out panties in a knot. The fucking retarded. No, don't rename the fucking birds, you fucking birds. Yeah, this, uh, what are they going to rename them to? Honkers? Like, oh, we can't call it tits anymore. So what are you going to call it? Yeah, well, they're like, there's some group that's like saying, hey, we need to name that. We need to name the, these birds because, hey, there was a, there was a bird that was named after a Confederate general. We can't have that. Oh no! There was there was somebody who there was somebody who some fucking Karen called the cops on in Central Park because he was bird watching. So we got we gotta we gotta like have these non-racist names for names that aren't even racist, except for the fact that that some ornithologists centuries ago named birds that they discovered after themselves, and these ornithologists happen to be white European men. Mm. Right? So it's like, oh god, we've got to be diverse, because diversity is good, and everything else is terrible and racist and sexist and this and this and this. Yeah, that's fucking bullshit. These people, this is like the fucking bullshit retardation here in Toronto where they're trying to rename Dundas Street because Henry Dundas wasn't freeing the slaves fast enough for their liking. Right? It's it's like, you know, it's more of this commie socialist nonsense. Fucking pisses me off, man. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, I think that they should just change the word bird. They should. There's too many people named Bird. You know, one of them had to do something well, fuck. bad. Birds aren't real anyway, so why are they bothering trying to rename them? There's got to be, you know, there's so many people with the surname Bird. Um, you know, it's just a minefield. Any one of those could have done something that could get them canceled. So you better just not call them birds anymore. Carblade33 yeah. says call them dicks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Big flying dicks. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing tonight, honey? I'm going dick watching. 
Bring an umbrella. Bring an umbrella. You want know, some of the, Sometimes it hits you in the eye. You want to don't don't want. That. I've I've seen some videos about that, and oh, it can be pretty disturbing. Um, all right. Um, what else do we have? We we started I, late, I but really we're running late. I don't really have any too. any other news or anything to bring up, but I did. Uh, there was a varmint in my house today. Really? What kind of varmint? Yeah, yeah. I, I came I came downstairs after after I got home, right? And there was a mouse in the office. A mouse, you say? A mouse, I say. A mouse, so, of you course, say? I I don't usually let my cat Flynn down here. Right, because she has this annoying tendency of jumping up onto the dryer and then climbing the wires coming out of the uh, out of the switch box, right, to get into the to get into the basement ceiling. But I brought her down here. I closed the door to the office rec room area, and I had a good. 10, 15 minutes of watching her chase this little fucker around trying to get at it <laughs> was actually quite amusing. But unfortunately, it was able to evade her by going behind a bookshelf that doesn't have enough space for the cat to fit behind. Mm. So I went, got my burrito. Came back, <laughs> ate my burrito. The burrito <laughs> fell apart on me. I needed to finish it with, like, fork and knife. Came back down here with the cat. And this time, between her and I cornered the mouse grabbed the mouse by its tail using using like a, a tissue of course <laughs> okay and th and after after giving it a little bit of torture by dangling in front of flynn and letting her paw at it i tossed it down to the front yard and i don't think i'm going to be seeing that mouse again because either it's going to die of a stress-induced heart attack or it's going to know better than to come in the house again. I just imagine cold ass and watching the cat chase the mouse and get stuck behind a, uh, 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 a thing you can't get behind. He's like, just shrugs your shoulders and goes to get a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, actually. Yeah. Pretty much. I was like, ah, too, ba too bad, Flynn. All right, it's burrito time. Come on. All right. Um, I don't have a podcast update. I, I had some of these, but I actually didn't listen to most of these podcasts. I listened to some Bowl After Bowl and Hog Story, and I didn't get... I didn't even oh, get speaking the of Hog Story, of apparently ones. today is John Fletcher's birthday. Yeah. Oh, Happy birthday, Fletcher. Happy birthday. That's in my notes. Happy birthday to John Fletcher. Um, so no, I don't have a great podcast run. No, though, no grumpy old Ben's. It seems like they're on hiatus for a while because of scheduling or something. Yeah, they've had, uh, I don't know if what you've heard on the previous episode, but I listened to Ryan describing <laughs> his new job and, uh, how, how much more difficult it's become to do anything podcast related. And I empathize with him as someone who also has a day job and uh, finds it hard to get podcasting stuff done. Yeah, fucking day jobs. It'd be so much better if we could actually, like, survive as neats. Yeah. Um, I still need to update my note. I could not get it working, and I want to get you my Albi uh, uh, address before we post this show, because I've already missed some Abel and the Wolf stuff that I know went through when my note was down. But Ice Cube Soup says that Sir Bemro's got a job doing deliveries. Yeah. What, so he's an Amazon driver now or a pizza delivery guy? Oh, you didn't even know? I thought you were up on... No, up I didn't the know. Yeah. I didn't even know he had a new job. Yeah, he's working... I thought he was still living off his Microsoft pension. No, this... Well, this is public. I mean, I'll say what he he said in public already. Not that I know anything more than that. But, um, yeah, he said he got a job delivering things, boxes, driving a truck, delivering stuff to people's door for uh, a major corporation that does deliveries. And you can take so yeah, that. he's working for Amazon. Well, you know, there's a lot of people who do deliveration, so yeah, that's true. There's plenty of deliveriators out there. You you can also um, one thing just a maybe fly a little cover for him. I don't know what it, who his employer is, but there's also a number of subcontractors who are um, employed by um, even like UPS and FedEx and Amazon that. You know, they might even drive the, the car that's branded, but they don't actually work for that company. They work for a subcontractor. So it's now, not you know clear what? exactly what it of our, a lot of our A lot of our letter carriers here in Canada these days don't actually work for the post office. Yeah. They don't even, dri they don't even drive uh, Canada Post marked vehicles anymore. 
half of them don't even have like magnetic sign to stick on top of the car when they're when they're doing the uh, when they're doing the letter deliveries to homes or super boxes. I'm trying to find a picture of the Canada Post truck and see how it compares to the USPS truck. It's very red. Okay, I expect that. I've seen your post boxes. I know what those look like. It's uh, so these trucks are going extinct, is what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, are they also right side drive? Yes, many of them are right side drive. Okay. Yeah, we've got a little fleet of them in in uh, this city here. So, I, as most cities this size do. There's a parking lot full of these things. <laughs> By 5 p.m. at night, kid, it's full. When I was a kid, we were able to get, like, Lego Canada Post trucks. Hmm. Canada Post. Post as Canada. Got the franche. Hmm. All right, have we arrived? I think we have arrived. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, Encounter 175 is coming up. That's right after Christmas. Get hyped for that one. Big news coming. Yeah, the biggest we've ever had. Bigger than my butt. <laughs> All right. Uh, but that's after Christmas. Until next time, I've been Abel Kirby. I've been Cold Acid. Oh, stay fruity, boys. Adios. I had a good woman. But you lay down, honey, and die. Oh, I had a good woman. But she lay down. Don't you know him?